Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Psalm 110, and you'll see it's headed of David, a psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Well, a very good evening to you all. Happy New Year. Let's pray as we have a look at this together now tonight. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, I pray you would give us a great hope, give us great courage, give us great devotion in your son tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look into a new year, a new decade, not just a year, but a new decade, well, I hope and that we'll see tonight this Psalm 110 is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as told in this psalm, that it should mean everything to us. He should mean everything to us. And as we look ahead into the 20s, it's the best way, it's the only way um, that we can live, really, in devotion to who he is. And before uh, marrying, I'm married to Lucy, uh, and before marrying her, it was um, 13, just over 13 years um, ago. She's not in the room, so she can't, uh, I can't be wrong with that. You, you can't question me. Anyway, uh, I think it's 13 years. And uh, her dad took me out for a, a walk uh, just before getting married, uh, the protective and responsible father um, that he was. And he asked me for my 10-year plan. He's a, he's a man after Andy's um, own, own heart. What, what was Andy saying? If you feel the plan, you plan to, to feel us. No one ever told me that. Uh, anyway, my, da- my father-in-law asked me for my 10-year plan. I've never been so quiet. I had no idea. And can I just give any young men that are preparing for such a conversation, plan well for that conversation, or at least work your way to a a very powerful way of distracting, have an interesting thing to change the subject to, okay? Uh, That's my advice to you. I didn't have either of those uh, things, and the conversation went very badly. I've I've stood here and um, shared some a couple of times where I thought I was going to die. Well, that was nothing compared to that conversation uh, with my my father-in-law. Well, think of tonight, uh, anyway, as the bare bones of a successful 10-year plan. Okay, that's what we've got tonight. In summary, it's very simple. Over the next decade, the king, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, well, he deserves all our honor. 100% of our devotion, every single ounce of our affection. It's very simple. And we move, as we look at it tonight, we move on from the picture we've been looking at over the last few weeks of this miraculous gift of the baby king. And we move to a picture here of 
supremacy, of supreme rule and authority. He is a king who is compelling to follow. I hope we see that tonight. He's strong in action. And well, as we'll see towards the end, he's fearsome to stand against. It's written by King David. It's said at the start of David, uh, a psalm. It's written by King David. It's clearly not about him. It's written by him of his Lord. And he gives us an account of this prophetic vision of what um, will come. So he enables us to look in and watch as part of the crowd. So it's almost as if we're peeking through the curtains at this extraordinary event. It's a, it's a heavenly scene in the royal court. And we're able to peek in to see as part of the crowd. And we have this privilege of being the witnesses to the inauguration of God's chosen king. And it's a psalm speaking of the one who would come to redeem and judge and rule the world in brilliance and in splendor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Reformer Martin Luther, he preached a series of eight sermons um, on the psalm. I'm not going to preach eight sermons. I may preach eight times longer than usual, uh, but I'm not going to go for eight weeks. That was a joke, by the way. I'm not going to go eight times. It was one of his favorites. This is how he, he began. This is a true and exalted psalm, the main one to deal with our dear Lord Jesus Christ. Here, as in nowhere else in the Old Testament scriptures, we find a clear and powerful description of his person and his kingdom. Well, what is the next decade to be about? Well, Psalm 110 shows us it should be all about the Lord Jesus. So how we make our decisions, how we suffer, how we celebrate, how we mourn, our behavior, our actions, our thoughts, our motivations. Well, everything is about honoring him. He deserves no less. No psalm is referred to more in the New Testament. And specifically, verse 1 is the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New. And every time it's quoted, it shows Jesus alone is who this psalm speaks of. He is the one that King David calls his master, the Lord. So let's have a look at it together now. We have three aspects um, of the Lord Jesus' kingship tonight as we examine and respond to it. So in verses, the first three verses, we've got his power, the king reigns in power. We've got his priestly work in verse four. And then we've got his judgment in verses five to seven. So first of all, he reigns in power. The Lord says to my Lord, let me just read the first three verses, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on the day of battle. I don't know if you got good Christmas gifts. I don't know if you got what you were hoping for. I was given some terrific gifts, but I wasn't giving number one um, on my list. I don't know if you caught the news uh, a few months ago, but this year... NASA is opening its International Space Station to tourists. Okay, so that was number one um, on, on my Christmas list in this year, to get a seat uh, in, in SpaceX, um, which is doing a round, uh, a round trip there, there and back um, to the space station. A mere 30 million um, for a seat uh, on it. It must have slipped out of my, my, my Christmas stocking. But the good news is I've got two weeks before it's my birthday, so I'm hoping that there's going to be a nice surprise um, there. Anyway, what a terrific seat to have to go up into space to to visit um, the International Space Station. Well, here, in Psalm 110, we have an incomparable seat. No billionaire can get near. It's out of their grasp. Christ is invited 
to sit at the right hand of the Almighty God, the Almighty God who made everything, and he's sitting at his right hand. And it's the clearest possible endorsement of Christ's life and Christ's work. So through history, there have been many different opinions expressed about Jesus. I'm sure there would be many different opinions on who this Jesus is here tonight. Well, it's the Father's, the Lord God's opinion that matters most. And God the Father is very pleased with his son. So pleased he has him sitting beside him on his throne. He wants him sitting next to him. And as we've read through this, I hope you've, you've noticed we see two different groups of people in our first section, depending on how they respond to this king. So some are enemies, and some are loyal followers. And it's important to say at this point, the Bible is clear, everyone starts in one position. Okay, the, the Bible makes it very clear that everyone starts in the enemy position. Enemies living under our own rule and rejecting his authority. That's what we're born into by nature, to reject his rule. So at any given moment, any opportunity for my glory, my honor, my success, so success at work will lead to my recognition. Living out desires will bring me pleasure that I deserve. I have the right to date who I want think how I want, relax how I want. It's my life, my right, my rule. And there isn't a person in this room who's born any different. And by nature, we reject Christ's authority. And Psalm 110 shows us he's a very serious person to reject. And you, you noticed, I'm sure, where his enemies end up in verse 1. Well, they're propping up his feet. That's where we belong. That's where we deserve to be in a rejection of this king. But with invincible power, Christ either conquers his enemies or in his mercy, he compels them. He compels them to follow him. And that's what we have in verse three. He enables his enemies to see him for who he is. And in the Bible and throughout history, when one sees who this king is, well, they can only but repent. That is, they're only but to change their mind of their folly of rejecting this king. They're captivated by him, amazed by his love for them. And they follow. They couldn't do anything else. They see his brilliance and they follow him. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. And as the king comes out to his enemies... Well, he is a committed, a loyal, courageous following of troops that wouldn't dream of being anywhere else. The Hebrew poetry, and just to note in verse 3, is recognized as very difficult to be absolutely clear on, but in general it pre presents a, a picture of vast and dedicated following. That's what I think the Jew is, the Jew on the, on the ground, is the vast array, the vast following that Christ has. Now, my, my oldest, um, Noah, um, he has a much too high expectation um, of what I know, okay? So pretty much most breakfast times, he asks me a question and he expects me to answer with some sort of knowledge. And most times he is extremely disappointed uh, at that. Now last week his question to me was, how many people become Christians every day? 
Again, I was able to say, I'm very sorry, Noah, but I have no idea. <laughs> but I did take a look, uh, and I found some fascinating stats on this. So the Oxford Handbook of Religious Conversion, uh, after it considered, so it's considered positively both birth rate and conversion, and then it's considered negatively the death rate and turning away from faith. And Christian growth worldwide, roughly, each year, any ideas? It's roughly 38 million Christians, new Christians each year. That's Poland. It's a new Poland every year of Christians, or specifically to answer Noah's question, 104,000 new Christians today. So that's the city of Bath, or a new Sheffield of believers in less than a week. And perhaps you're a Christian here tonight and you're feeling worn out and isolated. Perhaps it feels like no one that you know, at work perhaps, your neighbors, friends, family, are interested. And being in the minority in the UK is hard. But Psalm 110 assures us you are following a great king worth following. He has loyal troops turning to follow him, and he is building a vast kingdom. Perhaps think of it as being part of a, a vast army, uh, but you've, I suppose those living in the UK now, we've, we've stopped I guess, to, to tie our shoelaces in a thicket, in a sort of quiet thicket. And what we need to do, we're feeling alone, we're feeling like no one's in this army, no one's following. When then we look up, we need to look up to the horizon and we see the king and actually we see a vast following uh, ahead. And all we have to do is look up and see there are people devoted to him. And I suppose today that the horizon would be uh, generally Latin America, um, Africa, Asia, they know who this king is, and they want to follow. And I hope that will lift your heart as you consider the person of Jesus Christ, but also how he captivates people to follow him, even if we're seeing it in very slow uh, rate in the UK at the moment. And these troops, well, they will be of godly character. They're dressed in holy majesty, and they adore him. And there will be no limit to what they're willing to do in the name of this king. They are brave, they are brave servants, so they may be outnumbered in the office, or at times they feel alone, facing a temptation, maybe even to walk away, to give up, but they keep going. They fight against alluring desires, they choose to remain committed to their marriages, to their families, when it would be easier to give up, and many do. They care at cost for people no one else is interested in, but they care because they want to follow this king. They sacrifice their time, their money, their social standing, perhaps, for this king. For they know he's worth it. So there are skirmishes to be had, some of them painful, but the battle is won. That's what Psalm 110 shows us. The king, he reigns in power, so don't underestimate his strength or forget that he really does rule and maybe tonight you're feeling defeated by sin or wondering what's the point to it all. Well, remember the Lord Jesus Christ has a mighty scepter and his rule is great and it is good. So take confidence in him. Take heart, lift your eyes and look to him. So the king, he reigns very powerfully. And then in verse four, as we move on, well, we find out how these troops can go from enemy to loyal follower. And that's where we've got the king reigning as priest. We have this intriguing character in verse four with the catchy name, Melchizedek. 
Uh, and the Bible first introduces Melchizedek in the book of Genesis. And so we have the patriarch Abraham. Uh, he's returning from successful battle. He's just rescued his nephew Lot. And on his return, he meets this king Melchizedek. And he's introduced as the king of Salem, that is the king of Jerusalem, and the priest of God Most High. And he blesses Abraham. And we find out much more. We'll not look at it tonight, but we find out much more in the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapters 5 to 7. We find out he was the king of righteousness, and he's the king of peace. And the great patriarch, Abraham, well, he pays homage to Melchizedek as someone greater than he. And Melchizedek was given this unique office, and that's why we have it here. He is both king and priest. And we're told nothing of his background. Actually, he's no birth, he's no death. We find nothing of his family tree. He's a picture of eternal existence. And Melchizedek's purpose is to show us more about the Lord Jesus Christ. See, through Melchizedek, we see a person's greatest need and that the Lord Jesus Christ fulfills that need. And what is our need? Well, it is forgiveness and peace with the God who made us. And that's where priesthood comes in. So a priest represents us before God and offers sacrifice for our sin. That's what happened through the Old Testament. The priests represented the people and they offered sacrifice for their rebellion, their rejection against God. But the problem of the Old Testament priests were twofold. So one, the priests themselves sinned, they kept sinning. And number two, they kept dying. So they kept sinning and they kept dying. And sacrifice was needed perpetually, both for themselves, for their own sin, and for everyone else. And so the sacrifice couldn't satisfy the weight of sin. And tonight, we're probably, we've come here with many problems, perhaps in the family, perhaps things that have just happened, perhaps long term, we have many problems around. We're surrounded by problems, but our main problem isn't our troubled marriages or our disobedient children, our financial struggles, our failing health, as serious as they are. Our main problem isn't deep breath, our main problem isn't climate change. The main problem in the world, everybody's problem, is how we can be reconciled with our loving maker, how we can be forgiven and to know him. And the biblical answer is priesthood. Okay, so specifically the superior priesthood of Christ. So gloriously, the eternal son of God, the one who doesn't die, the one who doesn't need to pay for his own sin. Well, that's why he makes the perfect priest. He is in the order of Melchizedek. He is without beginning. He will never end. Your forgiveness will never run out. He has never rejected God. And so when he makes his sacrifice, not a lamb anymore as in what's the Old Testament, the stakes are much higher. His life for ours. And Psalm 110 tells us it is because of the quality of of this priest, the love of this priest, the commitment of this priest, well, we are given more hope. We are given more satisfaction. We are given more security than we could ever have dreamt of. Life and pleasure with God forever. And so over the coming year, we will probably have times when you doubt your standing before God. 
you may question if God really cares for you. You'll maybe, need to th- you'll maybe think you need to up your game in order to be accepted by him. You'll maybe start to try and bargain with him. I'll stop doing this. God, I'll stop doing this if you give me dot, 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 a relationship, more financial security. I'll start doing much more of that if you could improve my health or give me that job or take away this hardship. And it will be vital for you to remember the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Jesus Christ is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. See, whatever you think you could do to please God, well, Jesus Christ has already pleased him in full. You are forgiven, and you will never need to try and impress him. So don't waste the next 10 years trying to impress God. You don't need to. Christ has already done it, because his priesthood is forever. And if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ's death tonight to pay for your sin, God is pleased with you permanently. He's given you eternal life. And he will give you exactly what is good for you over this coming year. Some of those things you may question whether they are good. They may not feel good. But this loving God will give you what is good for you. And rather than trying to impress him, well, we'll be better using our energy, trusting he is true and capable of looking after us. The king, he reigns as priest, the priest. And finally, in verses 5 to 7, well, we have these hard verses, in many ways, judgment So the king has been inaugurated. His troops are assembled. They're willing to follow him. He's been sworn in as a priest forever. And now with the Lord and the king as one, will the vision end with a formidable crushing of his enemies. So despite Christ's work on the cross, well, there are still the hard-hearted, the self-conceited, the arrogant, who feel no need for a priest. They have no interest in serving a king, another king. Why would I want to serve another king? And the holy God will judge. One of Britain's greatest monarchs, uh, Queen Victoria, well, she once sat in chapel and she listened very carefully to uh, one of her chaplains preach on Christ's return. And this was her response to her friend shortly afterwards. Hi, I wish that the Lord would come during my lifetime. And the friend asked why, and she reflected back because I would love to lay my crown at his blessed feet in reverent adoration. Queen Victoria, she had many reasons, probably many reasons more than than any, to to think herself great, but she knew where where the authority lay, the true authority on the head of Jesus Christ alone. And so no matter how powerful a king or a president thought uh, they were during their lives here, well, each will be accountable for their devotion, where their devotion lay. And if they're found to have been enemies of Jesus, well, they will be crushed. So we have nations unrepentant and responsible for wars, for genocides, for brutal regimes, for the killings of the innocent. Well, they will all know who they were up against in this day. All wrongs will be made right. All wrongs will be paid for as judgment comes. But, and perhaps extremely relevant to us and our nation, it won't just be those nations. It will be also the so-called civilized 
nations, ones who have thought themselves perhaps too important or too self-sufficient or too intelligent or too sophisticated to follow such a king. We don't need God. Why would we need to follow him? And uh, in October, um, Kenyan athlete, I don't know if you're, some of you are marathon fans, but in October, Kenyan athlete uh, Eliud Kipchoge was the first person to complete a marathon uh, in under two hours. A very inspiring athlete, uh, really, in many ways. But his inspiring mantra um, has, been, has become well-known. I don't know if you know it, um, but in many interviews he said, no human is limited. That's what drives him. No human is limited. Well, can I encourage you tonight? Don't believe that. It's not what Psalm 110 says. We very much see our limits here. We see the limits of humanity here. There is an infinite chasm between God and everyone else. So moon landings, sporting feats, exquisite concertos, masterful artistry. Well, we've, we've many wonderful capabilities We've been made in a way that can do fantastic things, but any illusion of us being godlike because of them, because of our human achievement, well, it will be revealed as the greatest of follies in the end. We were made to worship true greatness God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, in His supremacy. And the king of this psalm, Psalm 110, will make it very clear to all in the end. So as we close, well, we need reminding of this regularly through the 20s. I'm quite sure of it. Uh, So as we're flown around in our Uber helicopters or we're eating our dinners and living in our houses printed by 3D printers or whatever way uh, the next few years are going to pan out, there'll be plenty to distract us from the truth that the king is coming. But we must keep our eyes on him, on his glory, and be unmoved in following So what will your purpose be in 2020? Well, I hope Psalm 110 shows you. It is to trust and to love and to live for this king. Everything is about him. I know that we were made to follow him boldly and loyally. So he's the mighty warrior king. He reigns in power over the nations. He reigns as our eternal life-giving priest. And he brings us forgiveness. And he will return in mighty justice. We're all will bow before him. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now with no option but humbly before you. And when reading such a psalm and seeing your greatness, seeing the greatness of this king, the Lord Jesus Christ. And first, I want to pray repentance. and to say sorry for the times where we think ourselves great rather than you. And I come to you with a great and deep appreciation of the Lord Jesus Christ's priestly, his completed and eternal work on the cross. And we thank you that each of us can have access to you because of him on the cross. And we pray we would deeply trust that through all of life's troubles and all of life's problems over the coming days, months, years. I pray we would not fear. I pray we would stand courageously behind this king our eyes fixed on him, and he would radically transform our lives. And only by your spirit can you do this, and so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.